Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to Gridiron Blitz right here on Apple Podcasts. Tune in, Player FM, uh, Wednesdays, 10 a.m. on Indie Rap Radio, and right here always on Block Talk Radio. Your host, Oscar Lopez, here. We are diving into episode 264. Uh, we did have uh, Sylvie um, Ibish scheduled for interview today. Unfortunately, uh, we will not be able to do the interview today. We'll reschedule with her. Something has come up, so we will um, you know, reschedule with um, Sylvie on the uh, journey she's going to have in the WNFC, uh, hopefully next week or the week after. So we apologize to our audience for um, obviously our promo, but we will talk to Sylvie in the next uh, couple, couple weeks. We are going to have Junior Pardo here talking AAF week four, week five, preview week six. So we're going to dive into that. And a lot of things happening in the women's game overseas as well as uh, a lot of events happening in the next couple weeks here. Coming up, there's a lot of stuff lined up. And the big bombshell that we were talking about, WNFC TV uh, for the WNFC. Uh, so we'll get to take on that. So let's bring in our panel here. It's going to be uh, college football group, Troy Wilson, and the uh, Hall of Fame quarterback, uh, Luis Bean. How are you guys doing? Good. What's up? How's it going, Troy? Doing good. How's it going? I'm good, man. Just uh, you know, chopping it up over here, man. Ready to ready to go. All right, so Troy, let's let's dive into free agency since we're gonna dive in first. Uh, any surprises uh, in free agency for you right now? Odell Beckham goes to the Browns. Man, did the Browns load up this off season or what? I mean, first they get Olivier Vernon from the Giants. They pick up Kareem Hunt. You know, and a lot of people are forgetting about that one, you know, with all of these, you know, everyone's posting what that lineup looks like. You already got Jarvis Landry, uh, Baker Mayfield. He's coming on. He looks like he's going to be, you know, um, uh, a force to deal with for, the, you know, for for a while. You got Nick Chubb at running back. You got Njoku, who they spent a first-round pick on. Now you bring Odell Beckham into the, into the frame. And don't forget, Odell Beckham and, and Jarvis Landry are best friends. I mean, just imagine – you play in a game of football and you're playing it with your best friend at the highest level at a place that you guys dream, you know, in, in a, um, in the league that you guys dreamed of as kids. And just to see that come to fruition right now, you know, Cleveland is jacked up right now. I mean, look, Cleveland has gone from worst to, to, you know, to now being the talk of the league. And so that's the beauty of the NFL. That's the, what the parody is in the NFL you get to do things like that in the NFL, not so much maybe in the NBA where it seems to be a little bit top-heavy. But, you know, with so much parity in the NFL, everyone has a chance right now. So I'm waiting to see what the odds look like coming out for, for Vegas and the, and the odds makers as to uh, how Cleveland is going to um, – how they're going to stack up as far as their Super Bowl odds. But, man, they are really being talked up right now. And they did lose Jabril Peppers. They lost the first-round pick and the third-round pick. But just think, man, they stockpiled picks for, for a lot of years. 
in, in that organization. And, you know, to, to only part with a, with the first round, which is the 17th pick and a third round pick. And, but you did lose a formidable player, Jabril Peppers, who was coming on at, at the safety position. And now the Giants get to replace their safety, who Landon Collins, he goes on to, to, to the Washington Redskins, where he dreamed of playing, uh, trying to follow the footsteps of Sean Taylor. So it's a lot of moves and shakes going, shaking going on. But right now, I would say the Odell Beckham trade is the one that really shocked me. I knew they were shopping him, and it would have been a dream come true, you know, for him to go to Cleveland. But rarely do these things happen where it goes exactly the way you want it. And Odell is happy. I think the New York Giants organization is happy. I don't know about their fans. Their fans might be a little bit ticked off right now. But it depends on what the Giants do in the draft. If they use that that first-round pick, and they have, what is it, the second pick in the draft, I believe? Uh, Well, not the second. Well, maybe it is. Um, Well, they have a high first-round pick, and they they now have the 17th pick. So they get the stockpile, and they get to build. They're probably going to draft their quarterback in the future. They've been putting that off for a while. But I think the the Cleveland trade – for uh, Odell Beckham Jr., that really is going to be the headline maker so far. All right, Luis, uh, Antonio Brown becomes a Raider. A Raiders for Antonio Brown. Uh, <laughs> I guess I guess Gruden is trying to revamp this whole roster in this year, and just you know, a lot of a lot of Raider fans are like, "What? Well, it's good and bad, but." It, only if David Carr can be Roethlisberger, I mean Roethlisberger, uh, at this point, it might work out. Well, I mean they've they've. I mean it looks like they're going to make some, they acquire some players and with free agency. You know, uh, took your safety. I don't know how you feel about that, or is going to take your safety. Um, but Carr's going to have to be friends with Brown off the field as well. So. We'll see how that works out. My Beasley, Cole Beasley from Dallas is gone, so that hurts me a little bit. Um, but, uh, you know, it, it'll be – I know all these can't happen until tomorrow, so it looks like all the movement that's going on should happen. I mean, Nick Foles going – they paid a lot of money for him, um, especially when Troy said, you know, they could have built a statue for him in, in Philly. Uh, but uh, you know we'll just see how it sh- we'll see how it shakes that's, out. But that's l- <laughs> what? That's well, Nick Foles could be a statue could be built in Jacksonville now, of all things, because yeah. I think they're taking down the uh, Blake Bortles statue, so they'll just upright oh, yeah. that one. Yeah, definitely. No, I mean, and um, uh, the Patriots lost a few players, but you know what? That's just how the NFL is. Like uh, Troy was talking about, there's parity. People kind of switch around. They're just trying to get their money. Long uh, running backs don't have a lifelong, you know, they have a short table life. Um, everyone's just trying to get their money so that they can be financially secure, even if they can't play. And so, I mean, to us, to us regular folk, that's just gobs of money. And uh, but to them, you know, that's just the nature of the business. And, and I mean, there's a whole lot of players that decided to go move elsewhere for money, and then you never never hear of them again. You know, Teddy Bridgewater signing, which was a bummer for me because I wanted Taysom Hill to move up the depth chart. But they got plans for him, I guess. So it'll be it'll be fun to see how it shakes out. Are you okay with losing your safety? I'm okay with it. I'm okay, okay with it. 
you got yeah. over it real we got quick. <laughs> more than a draft. I'm good. Uh, yeah. it's, it's, I'm okay. I'm about as okay as uh, Jamison Crowder going to the Jets from the Redskins, right, Troy? Yeah, I mean, I, you know, I like Jamison, but you know what? The last year he he wasn't uh, very healthy, and then when he came back, he wasn't very productive. I think they're going to miss him in the slot. They're going to have to replace that, you know, him in the slot. But you know, I, I think you know we 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 can find another guy uh, to do that. Maybe. Mr. Irrelevant last year, um, uh, uh, Trey. Um, oh man, I forgot his name. Uh, but he's he may step up into that role. I think they were really high on him coming out of the draft, and they've been talking this kid up. So I think they're ready to move on with him. But they the Redskins still need a wide receiver. But yeah, I'm not really gonna miss Jamison Crowder too much. Yeah, I'm really excited some... to watch the Browns just because. Yeah, that's so am I. Yeah, they're now they're relevant, and now. The, the the Giants are kind of like, what the heck? I mean, that's the team to watch. I know it used to be the Rams. It used to be Kansas City. They'll still be popular to watch, but, man, season starts, it's Browns. Well, and uh, Odell going there, it's just, just going to bring attention anyway. So it's kind of like the spotlight on Cleveland. That's literally what it boils down to. Yep. Hello, now, uh, Troy – Chubb, I mean, Suggs to the Cardinals, I mean, I don't know if that's a, you know what I mean? It's a homecoming, I guess, from Arizona State, but how, what are they going to do in Arizona at this point? It looks like it's another dull season based on what they're doing. Well, I will say this. The dull, it, it, it will start to have some luster when they get that first pick. And I'm really yep. thinking it's going to be Murray. Yep. So, you know, they understand, you know, what's going on right now. Like they are, you know, they're they're really putting a lot of stake and putting a lot of emphasis onto this draft. And I think with Kyle Murray coming in there, um, that's going to be huge. And don't forget, they still have an asset to trade if they if they can. They're still trying to move Rosen, but they have to make sure that they're going to get Kyle Murray. If somebody steps up to the table and blows away the Cardinals, you know, with an offer that they can't refuse. Uh, for trade, you know, a la, um, you know, what the Saints did with Ricky Williams back in the day, uh, where they traded the Redskins their entire draft just to get him. You know, if somebody does that, then the Cardinals are definitely going to keep Rosen and they're going to trade, you know, that first pick. Uh, but I just think Kyler Murray coming in there, that's going to be the big excitement. Every team in the NFL is going to have something to really be excited for, maybe except the Giants, uh, you know, <laughs> Giants – they seem to be a little bit in the doldrums right now. But, again, when the draft comes around, they're going to start getting excited about their picks too. Luis, uh, these bills just seem to be adding pieces, but they can't seem to really put things, anything together. So, they get Beasley and Brown. But, I don't know, is it, you know, it just seems like they, they bring in folks, but they can't seem to be relevant. So, I, I doubt they're even going to be relevant in the East at this point with even those pieces together. Okay, so have you guys ever been to Detroit? I mean, not Detroit, Buffalo. Never been to Buffalo, no. I've, ne- okay. I've never been. I've never been to Buffalo on purpose. Okay, seriously, <laughs> purpose. people go to die there. <laughs> I mean, I mean, it's like going to Detroit or something. I don't know. I mean, Buffalo has some pretty parts. Obviously, it's by Niagara. It's just that it's Louise, pink and cold. Louise, do you want to apologize to the Buffalo fans? Because you made it seem like it's doom and gloom. Uh, 
No, those guys are awesome fans. But I mean, seriously, four Super Bowls and four losses—it just sets a bad precedent. So they get um, there. Yeah. They get there. I uh, know it's it, they did. It's been a while. It's been a while. I, I like their quarterback. I think there's some potential there. And it's just that, man, I don't know why people choose to go there. Obviously, you're getting to get paid. But it's so cold. It's an outdoor stadium. You never hear from people again. I mean, Ryan Fitzpatrick, you know, thought he was going to be great up there. It didn't work. And I don't know. I like their quarterback. But I'm surprised Beasley went up there. I mean, you leave Dallas and you're – you're anyway, it's about getting Well, paid, Louise. But, Luis, it isn't Cancun. Is that where you're comparing know, it to? I know. Yeah, it's not Cancun. <laughs> and I live in a cold state, and, man, I wouldn't want to go to Buffalo. So. And I know I you know. were having fun in Cancun, and now you're giving me you're giving the impression that this Buffalo scene is not as good as Cancun. Yeah. Uh, no, but, but I just – I mean, it's been so long since Buffalo's been good. No, right. And, and they try and be relevant, and then it flames out and – they try to be excited, and they, I do think they're great fans, considering it's just a cold, cold place. You know, low uh, – it's not New York City as far as the press and the media. So those parts are good, but, oh, man. We'll see. Troy, um, question is, why the Colts didn't go for Tyrell Williams when and, and they opted for uh, Funches? That's kind of like well, – yeah, they, it's kind of like they – They wanted a big wide receiver. Um, maybe not a guy that can stretch the field, but they wanted a guy, you know, who, who you know, a big body guy out there. I would, you know, Terrell Williams is, he, he, in my opinion, I think he's very underrated for the Chargers. Um, I really like him over there, and I think Funches may have been a little bit overpaid, but at the same time, you have to take into consideration that he was playing in Carolina, and Carolina wasn't really throwing the ball a whole lot. There, you know consistently one of the top rushing teams out there. And not to mention, you know, when Cam Newton went down, you saw his production almost hit rock bottom. Uh, he was getting – it was some games where he didn't even have a catch. Um, and, and, you know, uh, it, after they started 6-2 and two, and then Cam Newton started to get uh, dinged up a little bit, his production just dropped right off. So I'm not going to hold that against Bunch. I think um, him being with Andrew Luck is going to be – a whole just a, just a different world for him because he's never played with a quarterback with that kind of skill set that can get the ball out that quick that can read defense as quick as he can and um, I really want to see what he does. I mean, they signed a one year deal, so this is a tester here. See how it how it pans out. But I'm interested to see how he does. I mean, I I was high on him when he was coming out of the draft. Obviously, I've seen him play. He went to Michigan, uh, so I'm I'm really looking forward to seeing what he does. Now, uh, Luis, uh, Tyrone Matthew uh, goes to the Chiefs from the Texans, but they do pick up uh, Deshaun Gibson, which gives them kind of an equal type of player, but obviously Matthews has more value. It really upgrades the Chiefs, I think, in a lot of ways. Yeah, Tyrone Matthews is a good player. I mean, both those teams are good teams, up-and-coming teams, you know, great quarterbacks, so – once again, it's just a money thing and, and a numbers thing. So I see that he could have stayed or gone, and I still think he will he will be successful where he's at. He's got a good quarterback. Um, Troy, Texans lose a lot of key positionings in this early free agency here. There's a lot of players that have shifted to other teams, but 
I'm thinking they're going to uh, more of a draft, heavy draft uh, mentality here as when the uh, when the draft comes around because they're they're losing a couple players. Well, they have a lot of weapons on the offensive side of the ball. Obviously, you still have Hopkins, and um, and you also have Deshaun Watson. And on the defensive side, they have uh, they still have JJ Watt, and you know they also manage Davian Clowney. So I mean, and, and Whitney Marshallis, who was a heck of a pass rusher, is very underrated. But the thing with Houston is, if they don't find an offensive line. Watson, none of this is going to matter. And it just seems like even when they make the playoffs, they only make it to the first round or the second round. They can't get any further than that. I don't think they'll be able to do that unless they can protect Watson. He just took way too many hits last year. I think he took over 75 hits. And that's just way too much for your quarterback to be getting hit like that. And so if they can find a way to, you know, and I guess that's why they kind of let Tyron Matthew go, is to sit back and say, hey, look, we have the defense here, and you know we we can we will be able to account for that loss. But we do need some assets and some money freed up to go ahead and try to get you know Watson some protection. And so if they can manage to do that, whether it be through the draft or free agency, and you know it's, you know they're really looking for center guard, you know uh, maybe a right tackle. You know they're going to need you know those kind of players, and they may not be high up on the radar right now. They're not going to make so, so much of a free agent splash signing those guys, but they do have to be meticulous in getting a guy that will fit in their system, and I just think you know, Bill O'Brien, you know, he's from that, you know, he's one of the only successful coaches from that Bill Belichick tree, Um, and I guess you can say he has relative success going to the playoffs like that, but they're really going to need to bolster that offensive line, and and as you said, you know, with the, you know, with Tyron Matthew leaving and and, uh, Tashawn Gibson coming in there, Who's a good safety? He's rangy. He's smart. He's a leader. You know, you're not really losing, in my opinion, that much with Tyron Matthew going, especially with all the pieces that they have on that side of the ball. I agree. So, um, Luis, we talked about last week, obviously, because our server went down and all the issues that we had. And um, I had my Murphy's Murphy's Law week as well as we're having here. Um, But overall, uh, WNFC announces WNFC TV, which is what we talked about uh, briefly last week. Huge move for, you know, trying to get on a platform of any sort. And we don't know if it's going to be something where you have to subscribe to, but I'm assuming it's going to be something of a subscription. But from what I, from what I gathered from the um, PR Newswire, uh, it was literally a move to where they want more exposure year one, which is good to, good to have. Um, the rankings came out, and a lot of folks took offense that we didn't put uh, Texas Elite Spartans in terms of the committee um, um, ahead of Utah. So it is what it is, and that's the preseason rankings that we put out, and that's literally where we start. And obviously, as we go into week one, week two, or week three, uh, things are going to shift, of course, because things are going to shift, right? Yeah, well, it would be so boring if no one talked about the rankings in college football. So, yeah, he's spent hours talking about the BCS and college football rankings. So, yeah, I I mean, I was surprised. Okay, first of all, the TV or the the TV, TV stuff, yeah, for the league is great, and that's awesome, and we'll see where it goes from there. The rankings just makes it fun, and uh, 
I was surprised that the L.A. team was ranked last. I think that'll be different. But, you know, I'm not on the voting. But I thought they would be higher ranked because they've been around as an organization with a lot of the newer organizations being ranked higher than them. I did not expect the Falcons to be ranked first. In fact, if it was me personally, I wouldn't want to be ranked first. Maybe some people like that. Um, I think OJ has the benefit because she's not ranked first, so she can go motivate her team that way um, and say, hey, what the heck. So, uh, you know, I haven't gone to – the rankings came out while we were in Mexico, so I didn't get on and look at the – any of the comments. And so you were saying that people were, you know, just questioning it and upset or whatever. Some of the early, some of the early posts uh, or comments that I've read on the group boards is, um, you know, both Utah and Texas uh, are equal on equal footing. Some feel because uh, the elite beat uh, the Falcons in the best of the West, that they should have been ranked higher in that regard. Um, yep. But the records records are basically similar, you know, in terms of wins and losses. And if you go back to, what, 2007, uh, most of the roster on the Spartans uh, are, is basically equal to what was Dallas Elite at the time when they went, you know, for the championship. Um, right. So there's a lot of things there. The other teams really, uh, you know, they we went on merit of history. So you you got to go back to success. And this is, sure. like I said, preseason ranking. Uh, this means nothing, as uh, totally. another person told me, right? Because this is like for fun. Here you are. Here's yeah. your start. But uh, as, as soon as week one, week two comes around, um, all things are going to change. It's going to unravel. Who's going to be better? It's no different than when we when we take a look at the college rankings week to week in college football. It's going to be one right. of those things where somebody, like Troy says, somebody's got to step up their game to get better if they want to be, you know, if they want bragging rights. Oh, for sure, yeah. I, I think it's totally fun and cool. So, uh, I mean, I had asked you what you had just said, hey, how come you chose Utah number one? And and like I said, I wouldn't want to be number one. So, I don't know what Troy has to say on the whole thing. Um, I, I think, you know, when it comes to early rankings, I just really don't put a whole lot of stock into it. I just think these things start to shake out as the season goes on and, I'm sort of the same way when it comes to uh, college basketball, college football, um, uh, power rankings in the NFL. I think all of these things are are early, but I think you do it because you want to garner conversation. I think it's a conversation piece, just like what we're doing right now. So um, I I think it does have some value in that aspect, but I think at the end of the day, um, if it motivates a player to, you know, get a little bit upset about the rankings and, you know, not necessarily get to the point where they're sending Oscar hate mail. We don't want to have that, but yeah, we do no. want to have a conversation. Well, I'm, unfortunately, <laughs> I hopefully I'm not the only one that gets the hate mail because obviously it's a it's a committee that we're in, and we all have consensus, and then we submit it to the league. The coaches have their consensus, and based on those two uh, pieces put together, that's how our rankings come out too. So there's a lot of people involved into it, not just one person that's making you know one opinion out of it which is the fun thing about it. The fun thing is we're getting a, a bunch of pieces, you know, together. Uh, you get a neutral party, and then you also have the, the coaches in the WNFC with their feedback. And a lot of them, obviously, I think it's fun because, uh, Troy, the coaches are going to get to see each other week to week <laughs> where we, we're not, like, on the field, you know what I mean? 
or if you're gonna if you're gonna step up your game, you know the coaches are gonna the coaches are gonna know exactly what team is durable, what team is a scary uh, feeling of a team, and they're also gonna know what team is just like way way better than anybody else. So they're you know as the season progresses, they're gonna know that. Yeah, I have a question about that. Did you, I, I, my understanding was is that after week three, then you aren't part of the voting anymore. Is that correct? Uh, week three, it's at, at at this point, it is week to week, and we all both we both parties combine as, after week okay. one, week two, week three, we go. Uh, the submissions are from the coaches to the executive group. We submit our uh, analysis to the executive group. They submit their analysis, um, and then we can combine information. So we have access to a, you know, to the coaches, of course, if we right. desire to ask questions of something. Uh, and at the same time, the coaches have leeway with us in terms of asking us something. Ultimately, we submit um, our part of it to the executive group. The coaches do that way, and then the executive committee, um, the executives up there decide to post the final rankings or the week-to-week rankings. So as it's going to come out, that's how it come out week to week. Um, I think it's great because, uh, to Troy's point, it is a conversation that we got to have, and then yep. each athlete in each team is going to have to assess themselves week to week as to, you know, why are they not in this level? There's a lot of teams from the group boards that I met that, you know, some of the players on the group boards, uh, they're okay with being in the middle of the pack right now because to them, like you said, Luis, uh, that's a starting point of hunger. If they're ranked, you know, middle of the pack or at the bottom of the barrel at at this point, you know, if you're the if you're the hippies, for example, haven't played a down, brand new, you don't really have anything to say about it because you you're just you're just going to get into it and hopefully you you know you start moving up up the ladder. If you're at the top and considered to be at the top, then you got something to prove, right? You got to sustain that. So there's a, there's a lot of positives to it too because it kind of makes the season very exciting. Oh, yeah, I think it's a great thing. I love that it's already out. I mean, it's ahead of the game, and, yeah, I, got, I think it's great. All right, so, Troy, um, the band, we talked about the band, youth football band, last week. Uh, we'll touch on it right now uh, before we bring in um, Junior Pardo of AAF uh, Extended to talk about the AAF. But, um, Luis, and you guys, you and, and Troy talked about it briefly last, last uh, podcast we had um, about – the, the level, right, the youth level, um, my question is how will that affect the, the girls' game? But we talked about that because uh, most of the girls don't start to play anyways until, like, they're, what, 12 to 14 level there. They do play flag, to your point, Luis. So on, on a situation where, you know, they want to ban a, a, a level, it's going to affect more of the boys' status, right, Troy? Yeah, I definitely agree with that. Um but I just, you know, I do have some concerns about it, just, you know, going from a quality standpoint, because, you know, if you don't, if you're not able to tap one until uh, a certain age, um, you're missing, you know, you could be missing some of the fun, you know, like tackling. And I think there's a safety aspect of it. There's already an emphasis on that in the game now. And so, and, you know, and not to say that, you know, when, when you watch the NFL, when you, and even more so in college, you're not seeing the most technically proficient tackler, but it's a hard thing to do, especially when you're, you know, you're chasing a player who's, you know, he's running 20 miles an hour 
and he's running full speed, it's kind of hard to, you know, break down a form tackle each time. But you do worry about the quality of that. And I just think a lot of times if you have inexperience at, at tackling, you know, that, that's the point where you can get people hurt. And you kind of see that um, in, in on a short-term aspect, if you think about it from this position, where, you know, you're watching teams, uh, you know, when training camp comes along and you're watching preseason football and you watch, you know, some players missing tackles out there it's just because they're not used to it because in practice you, you're not really allowed to hit, um, you know, like you would in a game. And you start to see that as the season goes on. You know, it takes a while for these guys to – you know, remember how to wrap up and how to break down and, and, you know, use your shoulder and, you know, all of that stuff. So I just worry about that aspect of it. But I'm worried also from the standpoint of, you know, on the offensive side of the ball, not so much. And, you know, um, brought up a good point last week about, you know, the flag aspect of it. So you can keep up with that from a skill position. As a matter of fact, it may help you because from a skill position standpoint, it's a little bit easier to, you know, to, you know, you're not so much worried about somebody take your head off. You have, you have to try to make a move out there. So it might help you a little bit more with footwork because you don't have that extra, you know, thing to worry about as far as like protecting yourself and worried about getting hit. You can just go out there and make a move and, and, and it actually will probably make the game a lot more fun, but you know, there are pros and cons to everything. That's my take on it. Louise, your feelings on that was uh, you said flag literally for girls. It's not a big deal. Oh, you know, I'm coming from a a female who started playing tackle football as an adult. So I agree with Troy, and yet I also think it can be overcome in the sense that uh, I do think that in the women's game, coaching is paramount because you can have some very good players and they're just not a very good team. Um, But I know that women can play football, and if they've been taught properly, they can, you know, be pretty good in a couple, two or three years. But I know that the women are really motivated. doesn't mean that the youth can't be motivated, but I know we have quite a few coaches on the Falcons that were high school guys, and they always comment how hungry the girls seem and how they want to do extra and they want to learn and, and, they just it's just not the same in the high school ranks overall generally speaking doesn't mean that you don't have kids that are aren't working hard but they just think it's great you know they just think wow this is awesome so i just think there's there's push and shove to everything and and if if a law comes out like Troy and I were talking about hey you know we don't want the government deciding certain things but i think it'd be okay either way but that's cuz i'm coming from a female point of view so and that's what I'm saying, because technically, if we talk about the women's game, uh, Utah, girls football, New England, you know, uh, Indiana, Georgia, all those, most, mm-hmm. of the, uh, most of the key points now are what? High school, right? The girls are starting at the high school level where they're, they're trying to introduce the tackle more so at the high school level uh, towards the college level. So right. the detriment really is on the, on the boys' side, is what I'm saying, because a lot of the parents – are questioning the fact that their, their kids are, what, five to seven, and they don't want their kids to have, you know, CET before they're 12 or something like that. So they're yeah. kind of questioning that. But on a on the girl side, my thing is 
I think there's still a positive because most girls will play flag prior to even trying tackle. And if tackle is available at 12 or 14, uh, to your point, they're going to try it, you know, because they've, yeah. al- they've already built some skills, skills uh, as Troy has mentioned. So to them, it's not going to be a big issue if you ban tackle, you know, uh, not to tackle up to 12 or 14, basically. Yeah. Yeah, it's uh in one of my friends was telling me that her second grader in the state of Utah they have teams for the girls fourth through sixth grade, but because of the low numbers, comparatively speaking to the young boys, um right. they combine. Well that's a big difference in size from a fourth grader to a sixth grader. Sure. Well, her daughter was second grade and they put her on that fourth through sixth grade team, which Oh, my gosh, that just sounds crazy to me. I can't imagine they can't get in trouble somehow for that because the size from yeah. second grade to sixth grade is, you know, huge. So yeah. I know um, on the – we talked about on the international level, I know it happens in uh, Onefa. It happens in Mexico okay. where they combine okay. some girls on boys' clubs in that same concept. Um, very few girls, of course, but they do do wow. it in Mexico as an option. Wow, yeah, I can't I can't imagine trying to put a uh a second grader with a sixth grader. But sure. you know, well, well that uh, ugh, yeah, that's crazy. I I would not be a proponent of that for my children. And so no, once right, again, right. it's down to what Troy said. Hey, you know, let the parents decide. I'm just surprised any organization, especially in America, cuz America's so like sue protective um that they would do that. But I guess if you're a parent and you say, "Okay, I'll do that. Then that's their choice. I wouldn't. Yeah. Know. Right. Right. Um, probably the the reason why a lot of the girls in Mexico, which is flag, is like the rule of rules out there. Probably why the reason that some of the girls in Mexico play legends and then they converge they converge onto tackle. You know what I mean? Because it's just kind of right. like a scene type mentality, right? You play the flag. You're very proficient. You're good at it. And and all of a sudden, you know, the legend style play becomes kind of like another challenge for you. And then eventually mm-hmm. you branch out of that and then you dive into, you know, full tackle basically. And that's, I think that's the evolution of the sport in Mexico is what that is now. It's, that's what it is currently right now from what I'm told. You know, you got a, a standing flag players in Mexico. They go to the next level, try uh, the legend style play in certain, certain leagues. And then after that they go, okay, well, let me just try the full tackle. And then they kind of just merge into that which is, you know, what's happening there anyways. Um, and they're, so yeah, Louise, that's a good, because they're using their, they're using LFL pads, right? Correct. So they're, they're playing yeah. LFL. Okay. Got it. Yeah. And that's what I'm saying. It's kind of like an evolution step. You know, they start in flag, mm-hmm. they go to legend style, then they kind of just branch out to full tackle. So it's kind of just Got like it. a transition. Um, so tell us about Cancun, Maya, Bowl, uh, the Guerreras as well. You know, they played really good. And then mm-hmm. uh, you guys, you know, yourself, outstanding. How many TDs again? Ooh, I was lucky enough that three people caught TDs from me. So uh, There you go, Troy. Look at that. Three TDs by being here. <laughs> two quarters of play. We had two quarterbacks, and we just each rotated by quarters. So the other one was uh, Chandis. Or no. Yeah. Uh, all of a sudden I was confused if I was saying her name right. We interviewed her, the, the QB from the Orlando Ironarchy. Um, yeah, Hunter. Hunter, right? Yeah, Hunter. Janice Hunter. Janice yeah. Hunter, yeah. Yeah, so she was the other quarterback, and uh, we went with four, and then they whittled it down, and the two other ones played other positions. 
Um, but yeah, it was awesome on every level. Uh, the organizational aspect was a plus. I mean, when you're taking women, coordinating, because like I said, we got all of our swag it sent to us in our own boxes before we left because it would be like a Herculean effort to send yeah. 40 people's worth of stuff to Cancun. It probably wouldn't make it there anyways. So, um, yeah, and then we had coach buses wherever we went. Uh, you had to get yourself from the airport to the hotel, but after that, you know, you, everything, oof, yeah, everything was planned down to the minute. Um, we had our We had two practices, but they were four hours each. So you're just there and you're done. And so that was good. I liked that. Um, then we had one service activity at a at a hospital uh, for for children with lots of different issues. Um, and that was it's called it's the CRIT, which C R I T, which is also in America, mm-hmm. specifically San Antonio. So very excellent uh, establishment. Um, and then. Uh, we had like a team dinner one night. We went on a team activity to a sinkhole. Uh, people could bring their guests to different activities. They could come to everything except practice. Um, it was an all-inclusive five-star resort. It was right there on the beach. Um, it was a hundred degrees difference. You'll appreciate this, Troy. Hundred degree difference when I left Montana to when I ended up in Cancun. Hundred degrees. Wow. So wow. that was pretty amazing. Yeah, I got some sun, a little bit of sun. Um, <laughs> I know, huh? That's impressive. And it's uh, very it impressive. Was, better it than Buffalo. Warmer. Yeah, better than Buffalo. Um, so it was warmer when I got back here. But, uh, uh, you know, the game was great. So when we got there uh, to the field, the Mexican team hadn't gotten there yet. And so we were off kind of warming up. Then they got there, and they had their helmets on. So I, um, I didn't know how Mexico would – in Cancun, how people would feel towards Americans. Because I've been in Europe and in lots of places in Europe, lived in Europe, and not all countries are, like, super excited about Americans being in their country. So I wasn't sure how that would go down. But they were way welcoming. I mean, we were like movie stars kind of thing and at the kids' camp, and they had suggested that we could bring toys or candy to the hospital, which we did, and all the kids were way into that. And... um and then at the kids' camp, there was boys and girls from, like, ages 5 up to 15. Some amazing athletes, both male and female. The female size specifically, I was like, oh, my gosh. So that was – I mean, you kind of somewhat expect it from the boys that play football if they're going to be at a camp. But the females, oh, my gosh. And it was hilarious because not all of them spoke – not very many of them spoke English. So luckily we had some players that spoke Spanish, and we had them in different groups. And so that was obviously helpful. And we even had a translator that went with the organization. But you can't be everywhere at once. Um, and so then at the game, um, I didn't see any of the up close to any of the players from Mexico. They had 40 players. We had 40 players until after the game. And so we were taking pictures, and um, and they we took a team picture with USA, and then they motioned for the the Mexicans to come over, and they like screamed, like just screamed because they were so excited to come get in the picture with us. And across the board, it was generally a younger team. Um, the ages were all mixed on the American side, but I would definitely say the team for the Mexicans averaged in the in the 20s, uh, low 20s. And so they were much younger, and you can tell, obviously, that the growth of the sport is different than it is in America. Um, but I'll tell you, the most, the number one most impressive thing from that I that I saw from that team was I've played in probably. 
in my career probably five or six games at least where we were beating the other team so badly that they wouldn't finish after halftime, and they were adult women. And I saw that that Mexican team, I mean, we were beating them pretty good, and they just never gave up. They just played like they didn't even know what the score was. And they they didn't change at all how they played, their attitude. And when I asked a few of the girls how old they were, there were some girls that were 18 and 19 years old. And yep. they were they were super excited to come. I mean, we were hanging out on the field because the bus hadn't come yet. And there was just girls on the Mexicans walking around, walking up to us, saying, "Hey, will you take a picture with me?" And so they were just so happy. We couldn't. They couldn't speak English. We couldn't speak Spanish, or I couldn't. And they just would show you your phone, and they'd want to take pictures with you. So that was the most impressive thing because I thought I've played against adult women that quit at halftime. And there wasn't a single one of their players that you didn't even – it didn't even cross their mind to not play at halftime. And that was really impressive to me because I'm thinking, you know, we come from an opulent country where we sh- we should be acting a certain way. And I don't know where all those girls came from. I don't know the background of the team. And they were really impressive. And then they were gracious. Their coaches were super gracious. They, uh, there was an invitation extended to have them come play in America, you know, those kind of things. So I was very impressed by that. Um, the game was fun. It was Most of the players on the USA were uh, Midwest and Eastern uh, players, I think because it's cheaper to fly from those places to Cancun. I have no idea. I'm just saying that's what it was. Um, so I got to know a lot of players because if you're playing in another all-star game, you're usually playing West against East, so you're not usually playing with them. Um, so there was, uh, like six Falcons that went and, uh, it was just fun all over the place. I mean, big lizards and, and just getting to know other girls and other coaches. A lot of the coaches, uh, for this organization, quite a few had less experience with women. Um, there was three coach, there was two female coaches and then there was coach Rick and they're all, you know, full-time female, uh, coaches. The other coaches were experienced coaches but less experienced with women. So that was an interesting um, dynamic. You know, women are just different than men, and no matter what anyone says, they are. Huh, Troy? So, so, yeah, it was was like we had a full staff. We had the whole streaming staff. We had the, the... Oh, the interpreter, we had our own doctor there from L.A. who worked on girls continually anytime they wanted, like a chiropractor, physical therapist, those kind of things. Um, So, yeah, I mean, there's nothing. If someone was to ask me in a private setting if there was anything negative about the event, I couldn't say anything. And they've announced some other events coming up later this year. I think one of them is going to be in Puerto Rico. Um so a couple stateside ones, uh, they have different plans for things. So, you know, it's just an opportunity for women to play football. And, and this is the uh, American Football Events, right? American Football Events yep. USA. They do men's and women's. And they all said right. it was way funner with women, way funner, because they said the women are all really into it. <laughs> and the guys are like, yeah. yeah, we're pretty smart already, you know, that kind of stuff. So, yeah, women right. make it just. You know, it's just a, you guys know you're in with women's football. It's just a different dynamic, and I also have noticed that uh, the women for this event were very gracious. I'm saying these pl- the players very gracious, very appreciative um, to all levels. And I've been in some events where um, not all players are like that, and and I 
I don't know why. I mean, I have some guesses why, but I'm going to keep those to myself. Uh, but uh, all the players that came, there was no hot rods. There was no uh, players that thought they were going to come in and rule the day or be the star. Uh, there was just none of that, and it was just really refreshing. Uh, and, and you know, I, I haven't. The Falcons is not like that, anyways. But when I've been in other events, sometimes other All Star games for the leagues or whatever, people come in with their own agenda. And there was the agenda was to do it together, to work together. And that's a great agenda in my book. So, uh, it was yeah, it was just really nice. The players were just uh, very sincere, worked hard for their minutes. Uh, the roster of 40 was a perfect number. Um, so yeah, I can't say anything. Ne- it was it was way fun. And you, what you do is that you buy your swag, part of your fee, and then you keep your swag for up to two years. And the swag's the same. So if you ever do another event with them you don't have to replace your swag, and include and that includes your helmet. And so it's a good system like that because, yeah, for two years, then you never – it's not like going to another event and you got to get more swag. So, right. yeah, that's a, that's a good deal. And um, I just – there's just more and more opportunities for women. They don't have to come from the two or three main leagues in the nation. And there's people out there that think, hey, we should open this up for women because it's kind of the flavor of the day with female sports and stuff like that, So right. or the the trend. Anyway, it was pretty cool. Awesome. You should have been so, there, uh, Mr. Spanish Speaker. You should have been there and been, you know. I should have, but I had others, other other things going on in my outside endeavors. Uh, well, but I, I'm but glad that you guys had fun. It. Yep. I'm glad you guys had fun. Uh, I know Sasha Cruz, one of our no-joke yep. football athletes out there. Uh, mm-hmm. uh, Smooth Laurie Jones was out there as well uh, from Mile High Blaze. So uh, two other uh, no-joke football athletes as well. So we'll we call keep Sasha tabs on Mother AF- Russia. We called her yeah. Mother Russia. She was a Mother Russia. <laughs> um, so AFE will keep tabs on any of their future events coming up, and we'll come keep them posted on our uh, Facebook page at the hub at facebook.com forward slash gridironbeauties. Um, if you guys haven't had a chance to, uh, Brooke Leash is going to be have shoulder, uh, shoulder surgery, so we wish her well in surgery. She's coming up here uh, probably in another week or two to have surgery. So uh, prayers go out to her. Make sure she recovers really well. Uh, so the phenom should be back to 100% hopefully by next season. At this point, check out our Instagram as the BAFA, uh, BAFA champion. Birmingham Lions, six-time champions, uh, courtesy of Lisa C. Thomas and our Instagram. Uh, congratulations to them, six-time champions of the BAFA woman. Also, congratulations to Wembley Sta- uh, Stallions this past weekend as they win the Division Two Baffle Sapphire Series championship as well. So two champions there assigned. Let's go into the huddle, and we're going to bring in, obviously, the man that knows it all, uh, AAF Extended founder Junior Pardo in the house, and we're going to be talking uh, Alliance of American football here. And uh, given uh, the issue we had with our server last week, we're going to be recapping week four, and we're, we're going to touch base on week five as well. Um, and then kind of preview week six at this point. So, um, J- uh, Junior, the Commanders and the Legends, both underdogs uh, in week four, and they pull off the upset. They did. They did, man. It was a, it was a good weekend to watch. It was a good weekend to watch week four. Uh, Aaron Murray definitely is making a difference for, for the Legends already. Two weeks, it, he's played two and a half games right now. And he's making a big, big difference for the legends. And it's good to see 
uh, that my prediction was wrong, that I called that the Legends would go uh, winless this year, and they are no more. They're two and three right now. Uh, another big win. Uh, uh, Junior, I think they heard you. They might have heard you. Yeah, they might have heard me, man, because I, I really didn't think they were going to pull it off. I didn't think they would win a single game this year, but they pulled it off. Uh, Memphis, they they looked like they were the, the, the one to, to do it over the Legends, but they couldn't. They couldn't. So right now, right, right um, now, I I, I want to see what the legends do. Junior, let's let's bring in uh, let's bring in Troy here to pick your brain on the Alliance of American Football here. Uh, Troy Junior's right. been here week every week. He's willing to come in and talk AAF. And uh, well, Jen Jen Welter gets her first win. Legends get the win, and uh, the Hot Shots their second win. Uh, right in week four, as we're talking about, they stun Hot Shots oh, for their yeah, first week win. Four, Iron, yeah. Yeah, the Irons suffer their first loss, which is Coach uh, Locus's first loss uh, with the D. Yes. But overall, so Troy, chime in. Yeah, I wanted to know what you what you thought about um, uh, Aaron Murray's play uh, because he was he was a you know when I looked at him coming out of Georgia, I really thought that he NFL caliber quarterback, and it's good to see him. Uh, get a chance to go out there and, and, and play out there. And he's starting to look pretty good. I just wanted to know what you thought of uh, Aaron Murray's play. Aaron Murray, uh, see, on week one, he, he never really did get the shot that he deserved, being that he was the leading passer at Georgia. And everybody in Atlanta in the, in the Legends squad, was uh, the Legends fans were expecting to see Aaron Murray from week one instead of Matt Sims. Uh, progressing, we go to we we get to week three. He plays our game and a half. They couldn't pull that off. But week four, he managed the game pretty well. Screen passes have been his best friend so far, uh, especially week four. Screen passes helped him a lot. You know, get into the rhythm of the game. Uh, they helped him uh, get into the rhythm of the season. And now week five, we saw what he what he was able to do. His play has been great. Uh, he's de- bringing, uh, definitely bringing a, def- a different energy to the legends that I didn't see with Matt Sims uh, during the first three weeks, which is good to see because, uh, like I said, I predicted that the legends would go 0-10 this year, but with Aaron Murray coming in, bringing that different energy, the winning mentality, everything starts with the mind. If you have a, a winning mindset, you will definitely translate in the field and will win on the field. And that's what Aaron Murray is bringing, and and he's bringing it. He's playing well, screen passes, the, the deep shots. He's reading defenses very well. The past two weeks we've seen that, week five and week four. And I think the legends with under Aaron Murray, they are going to keep progressing. I think we'll see another couple of, couple of more wins for Aaron Murray and the legends. You know, with the um, Arizona hot shots, uh, they have a nice little tandem with John Walford and Rashad Ross. And I'm familiar with Rashad Ross because he got a shot with the Redskins. Yeah, the he, Red became yeah. he became a fan favorite really quickly because he just made plays. And we were, you know, a lot of fans were really upset to not, to you know, that he didn't get a chance, especially with some of the woes that they had a little bit afterwards with Rashad Ross. But now, He's getting a chance to shine out there, and he and John Wolford, uh, they have a pretty good connection right now, don't you think? Yes, they definitely have a 
very good connection. Rashad Ross is definitely a WR1 right now for the Arizona Hotshots. He's the go-to target for uh, Johnny Wolford, as I like to call him. Uh, I would like to see Johnny Wolford play better football, though. They've they've dropped, I think it's three games now in a row, the the Hotshots, and they started the year very hot at 2-0, one of the best teams in the West. Rashad Ross cannot be your only playmaker. Yes, he is the number one playmaker, but the Arizona Hotshots need to uh, find themselves another playmaker. Their defense is not playing up to par. They're not playing week one style football. I've been telling Oscar this the past couple of weeks that the Arizona Hotshots defense is not stepping up to the play. Johnny Wolford is is making uh, a couple of mental mistakes during the game, causing interceptions, uh, killing the drive short. So right now, the hotshot, they have to rely on someone else other than Rashad Ross because he's very predictable. Teams are going to start doubling Rashad Ross, and what is the, the hotshot going to do? They they need some. They need to uh, find another playmaker for them in the event that the, the Rashad Ross gets shut down. Because Rashad Ross and and the Hotshots are going to play are, are going to be playing uh, the the Apollos soon. So when they play the Apollos and they take away Rashad Ross, what are what are the Hotshots going to do? So right now they need to find another playmaker for the time being until uh, Johnny Wolford can get his passes under control, his interceptions, reading the defense a little better because the, the past couple of weeks for John Wolford has not been pretty. Well, let's go to um, a, a name that a lot of NFL names, uh, play, uh, excuse me, or NFL fans are familiar with, and that's Trent Richardson. I'm, I'm going to be honest. When he was coming out of Alabama, I was not high on him. I just didn't think he had, you know, the skill set. He just had the right footwork for it. And for Birmingham, it looks like he's, you know, he's putting the ball in the end zone a lot. He's right now he's leading the entire league in touchdowns. Uh, even though Birmingham has lost his last two games, what do you think of Trent been in, in his first season in the A? Well, <clears throat> for Trent Richardson, Trent Richardson, I spoke about him a couple of weeks ago, and I had the same complaints about him in the AF that I had when he played in the NFL. Is his inability to hit the holes, his inability to get off the get off the blocks uh, fast enough to create open space for himself. Uh, yes, he is deadly in the uh, within the ten yards in the end zone, but other than that, he he's really no good. He's averaging a, I think it's two and a half yards per carry right now, which as we all know is not a very good average for a running back. He has most of the touchdowns for the for the Birmingham Iron because their quarterback Luis Perez, which just got benched last week. Isn't able to isn't able to find the end zone, so they have to rely on someone. But Trent Richardson is an end zone type of guy. Is that's that's the way I see him? End zone type of guys. He cannot hit the holes. The vision. I just don't see the vision that a running back is required to have to play either AAF, NFL, XFL. It doesn't matter what league it is. If you are running back, you must have vision to hit those holes. With the minute they open up, and Trent Richardson just doesn't see them. He's the workhorse, only averaging two two and a half yards per carry. The 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 kid for uh, for the fleet, running back for the fleet, 
he's he's doing a much better job, and he's also an, an unknown name, and he's doing a great job. He's doing what everyone thought Trent Richardson would be doing. Kenneth Farrell, for example, for San Antonio Commanders, he's doing what everyone thought Trent Richardson would be doing. Like I told Oscar, I was excited to see Trent Richardson because, again, like you said, coming out of Alabama, one of the greatest players, uh, he had a couple of good seasons for the Browns, but then from there he deteriorated. The, the, the past uh, couple of years, Trent Richardson has been just that, two-and-a-half yard type of guy, and that's how I see Trent Richardson. Give it to him in the end zone. Uh, if you can use another running back in uh, between the tens, go for it. Because right now, Trent Richardson is not producing for the Iron. Right now, the, it looks like the best team in the league is the Orlando Follows. And, you know, they're averaging 20 points a game. So, I mean, they're putting up some points out there. What makes them such a great team right now? Well, it all starts with the head coach. It all starts with Steven Spurrier. He ran, he ran that offense uh, in South Carolina. He ran it in Florida when he won the national championship in the 90s. It, it all starts right there. It starts with – then it also doesn't hurt that, in my opinion, they are the closest NFL-talented team that we've seen in the AAF right now. We have Garrett Gilbert, who, who was back up to Tom Brady, was in, in – uh, for the Panthers for a little while as well. Jalen Marshall, talented receiver. Charles Johnson, also another a household name in the NFL uh, as a receiver. Then uh, the defense, defense is playing lights out. You have Keith Reeser, who already has, I think, it's three interceptions and two pick sixes. Uh, another uh, household name in the NFL, San Francisco uh, fans, 49ers, they, they know who he is. He was drafted by the Niners. Um, he actually he actually has all of his interceptions in his career are with the AAF, none with the NFL, which is impressive to me. Uh, it all starts, like I say, it all starts in the experience period. They have, in my opinion, the best tandem of running backs in, in the whole AAF. They have Davion Smith. Uh, they have Team uh, Hunt, and and they have this, this uh, new kid right now. Oh my God, I cannot remember his name right now. They're they're uh, my God, what's his name? He closes out of the games. Cannot remember his name right now, but he's the one always closing out. Ernest Johnson. He's always closing out the games whenever they need him in, in the line in the fourth quarter. He's always there closing out the games, getting twelve, ten yards to close out the game. So Orlando is the most complete team, starting with the head coach all the way down to the to the defense. I would say special teams, but we don't have special teams in the AAF. Other than, you know, punts, but it doesn't really matter. But that's that's how I that's how I see it. I think they are the the most well rounded team in the AAF starting with Steve Sperrier. Yeah, I mean, they, they have a lot of talent on that team. I mean, look, uh, Garrett Gilbert, I've seen him when he played at uh, Oklahoma State. I was having him coming out. Jalen Marshall, he was a, a wide receiver for Ohio State. Davion Smith played for Michigan running back. Uh, you also have Will Hill. That's a great find, oh, right yeah. by the way. Will uh, Hill, that's a great safety right there. Yeah, that, that kid yes. can play, man. 
played for the Baltimore Ravens. Baltimore Ravens fans yes. are familiar with him. Also, former Florida Gator. I really, really was surprised to see that Will Hill was out in the league. And but you can see that this kid has such a great skill set, and he's got great leadership. And of course, you know, Steve being a former Gator is definitely going to give him a shot to get back in there. Yes. Oh yeah. And I mean, right now, it's the best. The best team in the league, uh, all all around, all around. Garrett Gilbert, he adjusts. You know, he needs to run the football like he did week two. He will. If he needs to pass the football, then he will. Place in the snow blizzard in in Salt Lake gets the win. He, he, he's a he's a warrior, and it all starts with Steve Ferry and Garrett Gilbert. They are leading the team. The team knows when uh, Garrett Gilbert and, and knows how to command the team pretty well. And it's the leadership. The the, the leadership starting with the head coach all the way down is is, is is unbelievable. And that's why I think they are number one in the AAF right now. Which team for you, and this will be my last question, which team for you is the biggest surprise in the AAF? Biggest surprise in terms of uh, in terms Just of in what? Ter- their expectations were, whether it be win-loss or whether or not, you know, the talent they've had on the team, whether it came to fruition or it just didn't gel together. Like, which one was more of a surprise for you? Uh, for me, it was definitely the, the the Atlanta legend. You you think, you thought, you know, being in a major market in Atlanta, Michael Vick being in the front office, you, you, you know, Aaron Murray, as a quarterback, which, you know, I think we all expected him, he would start before the season. Uh, that was the biggest surprise for me, the, the the fact that they haven't been able to click until the last two, the final two weeks. We're, we're going to week six of the season. There's five games left, and they're just now clicking. So, to me, they're, they're, they've been the biggest surprise. I, I'm not even going to mention the Apollos because you, you have Steve Sturry as your head coach. That should be no surprise why you're winning. Steve Spurrier, I don't think, has a, a losing record. Even when he came to the NFL, he had a winning record. Uh, not a winning record, but uh, started winning with the Redskins. So, uh, Apollo is not really a surprise. They have the most talented roster, the most talented coach, in my opinion. So, not a surprise. For me, the biggest surprise has definitely been uh, the legend. And I'll also say San Antonio. And for San Antonio Commanders, it's, it's mostly my Riley. Uh, Nebraska fans would remember him when he coached Nebraska, uh, and mostly because San Antonio and football just it's like they do not go together. So to see them perform and, and as well as they're doing, they're, they're three and two right now, second place in the I mean I think first place in the West. Uh, I mean, and they also have a talented a talented roster. Logan Woodside, which I honestly I thought coming out of the draft last year. Uh, Woodside would get drafted in the NFL team, and but he he didn't play in any NFL team. So now here he is for the for the AAF playing pretty good pretty good football. In my opinion, uh, Woodside is the second best quarterback in the AAF, right behind Garrett Gilbert. Other people may disagree with me, but from the games that I've seen, I've seen him uh, coming out of college. Uh, to me, Logan Woodside is is the second best quarterback. He was also um, QBR uh, QBR wise. He, he had the or 
Yeah, QBR uh, wise, he had the second highest QBR coming out of college, behind Baker Mayfield last year. So to me, uh, the the San Antonio Commanders are also a big surprise. How well they're performing. They, like I said, Kenneth Farrell running back. But the biggest surprise is just the Legends not being able to perform until midway through the season. Uh, I never expected them to do that. And of course, the Iron Iron are big defense, but Trent Richardson. Trent Richardson is my biggest surprise how he, he can seem to catch a break. A personal personal player as a, as a player, my biggest surprise is Trent Richardson not being able to perform. Gotcha, man. I really definitely appreciate your knowledge on the on this stuff, man, because, you know, we enjoy talking football here. I was anxious to see some of these players some I was familiar with and some that I was not familiar with and see how they kind of put it together. I, and I agree with you. Trent Richardson, um, I, I just I, – I never really liked the way he played. I just felt like he was vastly overrated at, at Alabama, but I wanted to see the kid do well. And I don't know what happened between that rookie year with the Browns because he, he had not – With the Browns. And, and then yeah, after that – Yeah, he had a great was, rookie year. Yeah, and then after that, he just could not. I, I, he, just, I mean, if they showed a clip of a recent game for the Birmingham for the Birmingham Iron, and there was a hole that you can literally drive a truck through, and Trent Richardson ran right into the back of the guy, and it it was just hurtful to watch that man. I literally had to cover my eyes when I watched it because it was just it's just hard to watch a guy who I believe has that much talent. But I just think mentally it's just not there. He, I don't know why he can't find the holes. Maybe he should, you know, get his eyes checked or something. I think that maybe that's it. But, you know, I'm hoping that things turn around for him. But I was definitely I, – I agree with you, man. That's just really, really disappointing. Yeah. I was hoping I mean, he Tim would get Richardson, advantage of Yeah, I mean, Tim Richardson, uh, timing of if, – if you want to use him in third down or screen passes, it is okay because – He's proven that he can play third, third down in the screen passes. He he's still a strong, a strong back. He's still five for yard. But as a running back, as a running back, when looking for the holes, he's not finding them. But when you have when he has blockers in front of him on a screen pass, he has the bulldozing ability to catch the football and, and extend the plays because he's still a strong running back. He's just not visualizing the holes and hitting the holes. So maybe, you know, as a change of pace running back, maybe. As his feature back, I don't think he is the feature back. He or, or shouldn't be the feature back for the Birmingham Iron. We know that's not going to change, change. I would like to see another running back get the feature start for the for the Iron. And also Luis Perez, I'm I'm very disappointed with him. He came out of the college being uh, Division Two Player of the Year, and he hasn't been able to find the end zone. A backup, the backup quarterback for the Iron, tossed a touchdown before uh, before Luis Perez did, and that is a little disappointing for me. Like I said, because if he's not, if, if Luis Perez, which is the, was supposed to be the starting quarterback for the Iron, not tossing touchdowns, I don't see the Iron winning many more games. I don't see it winning many more that's games. That's a big and that's I, a big problem. Mhm. Big big problem. Yeah, and, and 
and he's been a concern of mine since week one because after yeah, week you one, talked everybody about it. was talking about Yes, and, and to me, it's, it's, it's a big concern for me because if he's not tossing touchdowns, the, the Iron are not going to win too many games because Trent Richardson is only reliable in the end zone. And, right. and, and if you're only going to rely on Trent Richardson in the end zone, but you cannot rely on him between the tens, you're not going to win many games. Because hey, Troy, not, maybe Trent's problem is there's too many big butts in, in his way as he's trying to get get to the gap. You know what I mean, FT Van? You no, know, I, I would love to know what, what the issue is, but I really think it's vision. I mean, I think I think he hit it yeah, right on the head. Vision is just terrible. He just I, he yeah. cannot find holes. He can't hit the holes correctly. Um, he, he's not he's not following the play. He looks like also. Uh, but he can just stick to you know where where the where the play is headed to. I, I don't understand how he can't find it. I'm not sure, man. Junior, um, yeah, it's like he Yeah, Yonghoo Ku is sa- is the saving grace for the legends. Otherwise, they'd be in, they'd be currently where you're at. Uh, like you said before, un. Unbeat, they would be basically winless. But yeah. the, he's put up 11 for 11. That's not a really good way to go forward. And they beat Memphis, who you said would rebound the last couple of weeks. You said, hey, they're going to start to step up and make some changes. Uh, so they get edged by a field goal here. So technically, the legends aren't really there yet. They aren't, but uh, under Aaron Murray, I see them going in a different direction. Like I said, he's bringing a different energy to the team, and which is a winning energy. He's keeping the ball away from opposing defenses, which is always a big thing for for quarterbacks. Keep away, keep the the football away from opposing defenses. And yes, Young Way Q is the, is the one uh, scoring all the points for the legends. But you gotta win somehow, you know. If Medinger, if if Medenberger doesn't, you know, force a throw there, um, you would see a Memphis win. Just really the reality yes, there. Definitely. Definitely. Yeah. He 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 could have he should have just thrown the football away. Nobody was yep. open in that play. He should have thrown the football away. Take your three points. You would have taken the lead. Yep. And you have a very good defense where you can stop the the legend. But again, like like I said, Aaron Murray through that game, he was finding he was finding holes uh, right in the middle of the defenses. He was uh, tearing up the cover two and cover three. He was the play, the placement of the football for Aaron Murray versus the uh, the Memphis Express was uh, amazing in my opinion. He had very good touch, very good placement, and eventually that's what got them the win. And, but yes, if Mettenberg doesn't force that football there with uh, four minutes left, uh, we will be talking about a different Memphis team right now with a two and three record instead of a one and four. Hey Troy, uh, we talked. Uh, me and Junior have talked about Zach Stacy, which gives the Express a really good run game. So um, pretty, pretty good, pretty good to see that guy just doing well. Yeah, former Rams player. Yeah, I mean, it's, um, it's good to see you know him, him going out there, uh, getting getting a chance to do that. You know, and he also uh, had a scent with the with the Jets and coming out of Vanderbilt. I really liked him also. I think I thought he had. You know, really good wheels and and good hands out of the backfield. So, you know, him getting a chance also to be able to show to um, you know showcase his skill set, I just think is great. And he has the vision. He's the type of player who, who does have the vision uh, to cut it up and down the field and and, and make plays in, in the open once he gets out there. So, 
it's good to see him get a shot out of it. Yeah, we, um, saw, we saw that with uh, Stacy in, in St. Louis. We, we saw mm-hmm. him hit the holes. We saw him hit the uh, the home run passes. Zach Stacy, to me, he should still be in the NFL. Uh, I don't know why he isn't in the NFL roster, especially with all the big moves happening in the NFL. Speaking of big moves, if you guys didn't hear, the Browns just traded for Odell Beckham. So, oh, I mean, oh yeah, we heard already because Brown Cleveland is a place to be now, Junior, for 2019. Oh, it is. It's a, it's a, it's a, it's a hot market. They, they are full of young players all around. And I think, you know, uh, Zach Stacy could also find his way back into the NFL after the year he's having with the with the Express. You know, the clause, the, mm-hmm. the AF clause says that you have to play one year and can only you can only leave if you head back into the NFL. You cannot. Sure. Which, which is good because avoid other, uh, uh, it prohibits other leagues like the XFL to steal players. But sure. yeah, I think I, I think is I, I think Zach Stacy should still be in an NFL in an NFL roster, especially with everything that's happening uh, in the Redskins with Darius guys going down, their the inability to keep the uh, uh, the running backs out there for the, the running backs for the Redskins are not playing very well. Uh, the Green Bay Packers also need running backs, so I think after this year that Zach Stacy is having, he might find another another shot at the NFL. Um, Junior, my fleet is launching. They're heading to the ocean. Twenty-seven, twenty-five. They are, take care of stallions. Uh, March. We. I doubted him at the beginning before this whole thing started. Uh, you said in I think week two when we talked. You said give him, give him, give him a week or two. He's gonna make some changes, right? And now we see yeah. those changes, and here's some wins. Yeah, and then three and two. Uh, I, I told you. Uh, uh, the fleet are, the, uh, in my opinion, the best team are in the West, and they are showing that, that they can compete with the best of them. They just played one hell of a game versus the Stallions. The Stallions were dead in the water. It seems. I mean, if 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 Nelson doesn't go down, I think that that game goes. That I think that game would have gone out of hand. Uh, I honestly think the Stallions wouldn't have been able to come back like they did. I think if uh, Nelson would have uh, stayed healthy the, the, the entire game, that game would have gone out of hand terribly bad. But it, you guys managed to pull that off. Uh, last second field goal. It doesn't matter. A win is a win. Uh, but, yeah, I think that game would have really gotten out of hand. It was 20-6 to 6 when I was watching, and all of a sudden it turned into a game. And I was like, wow. And it was a very good game. It was a very good weekend full of great games. And, and and consensus right now is that the that game, the fleet and silence, is has been the best game of the year so far. Yeah, so far. Um San Antonio, we talked about how they barely you know, they they get they were up what, twenty six to zero at the half in Arizona. They're just so up and down, yeah. they're not consistent enough to sustain leads. Um so even though they're winning, uh, you know, to your point they, they still have issues at this point. And Arizona literally just starting to just, you know, they're just starting to just unravel a little bit there. They are. They are. And I don't, I don't and like I said, uh, if Arizona doesn't find another playmaker other than Rashad Ross, it isn't going to end well for them. The season will not end well for the hot shots. They started as one of the hottest teams in the, in the league. 
and they are unraveling and fast. If they don't, if they don't get it together, this then this next couple of weeks, I don't see them even contending for the for the West title. So they they need to do something, or the fleet or San Antonio will run away with it. And I say this right now, I think. It, the, the championship game for the West is going to be the Fleet versus the Commanders. Uh, another for a third time, uh, I'm calling it right now. I think it's going to be those two because I just don't see the Arizona Hotshots bouncing back. You don't think South Lake sort of squeezes out another win or two here? They might squeeze a win or two out, but uh, to contend for the for the top, they they won't. Not even to contend for the title. I, I don't. I don't think they will. I don't. I don't. Um, I honestly don't think so. What is week six look? Uh, week six look like for us right now. What What should we be excited for coming up week six here? Uh, the game I'm looking for is uh, the Apollos and and the Hotshots, which are the, the two teams that that will be playing. I'm positive it is. I don't have it right in front. Of, I don't have the schedule right in front of me, but I am positive that it is going to be the Apollos versus Hotshots, and I'm excited for that game because, like I said, if the Hotshots don't get it together, don't find a uh, – yes, it's going to be the Arizona versus the Apollos, and they're going to be playing in Orlando, which I was supposed to go to that game, but won't be attending anymore. But that game right there is the one I care to watch the most because I want to see what the Arizona will do because Orlando, we already discussed it, they're probably going to double. They're probably going to double and triple uh, Rashad Ross, and I want to see what Arizona can do. That's the so we got Memphis. About. So we have Memphis at South Lake uh, live on Bleacher, I believe Bleacher. Yeah. Uh, live, we, yeah, we are live, yeah, be, yeah. Board, yeah. And then we have Arizona at uh, the Apollos, as you're talking about. That's Saturday. That's Saturday slate. On NFL Network. Yes, uh, AP. Then we have Sunday. Yep. San Antonio is going to be at Atlanta, and that's going to be on CBS Sports Network, and that should be a good one. I, given what the Legends have improved on, but I just think the Commanders are going to be too much there. Uh, Birmingham I at San Diego. Win that game. You think so? Yes, I, I do think the. the you think the uh, San Antonio goes another letdown and they just rise up? Yes, I. Yes, the reason I think so is because right now the the legends have all of the momentum. They have a fresh new quarterback in. They have all of the momentum. They have back to back wins. I think the legends come out on top. They they this is one upset I will call today. I think Aaron Murray leads uh, the legends to a victory over San Antonio in a, in a big upset in what I would think would be the biggest upset so far this season. <clears throat> Because, like like we're saying, the, the San Antonio is also unraveling. They're they're three and two. Yeah. They started two and zero. Oh. They they've dropped two two games so far, and and Alana has the hat hand right now. Back to back wins. Aaron Murray. I I think it's going to. I think it's I I think I have the the legends. The defense is also improving and has improved over the past two weeks tremendously compared to the first three weeks. So I think the legends, I have the legends. And for the final game, uh, Birmingham at San Diego. And who do you like on that game? Phantom I'm taking my fleet. Troy, are you taking the fleet? 
Um, I'm going to take the fleet. Uh, I want to say Birmingham, but I, I'll take the fleet on this one. I think San Diego will uh, will take that game. Yeah, I, I'm taking take, I'm taking the the fleet as well. Yeah, Troy, what do you got in San Antonio, Atlanta? You you going with Junior here that uh, Atlanta continues to roll here with another win? I'll take Atlanta. I think um, you know they, they. I think they're finally starting to get it together. Um, I think this is around the time of year where. You know, maybe they're starting to sell. Some teams take a little bit longer. Maybe that's the case for Atlanta. I'll take Atlanta on this. How about Orlando, Arizona, Troy? I think Orlando continues to run. Um, you know, the no, nobody, nobody, nobody so far has not taken Orlando. <laughs> I feel sorry for yeah. Arizona. Uh, <laughs> it, it's, hard, it's hard to go. It's hard to go against them. Yeah, oh yeah, real hard. Orlando hasn't lost yet. They don't look like they're slowing down. They can throw the ball all around the yard. They can play defense. I really think yep. that they have everything it takes. And right now, uh, obviously, I think they're um, they're they're the class of the league. Troy, yeah, uh, Memphis, it's Salt Lake. Give me Memphis on this one. Uh, Salt Lake right now, they just don't have a lot of star power. They don't really have a lot of, um, you know, they're they're really trying to find their, their footing right now. So I'm gonna go ahead and go with Memphis on that. Junior, you're you're you were assessing Memphis two weeks ago and you, you gave him new life and now just because of some mistakes here that he would have taken a win. You know what I mean? Uh last yes. this past week. Yes. So if they play smart football, they could get a couple wins here going down going forward. They could, but now uh for this game coming up right now on Saturday, my worry is the weather. Is it going to snow like it did versus the, oh, yeah, yeah, the yeah. Apollos a couple of weeks ago? Sure. Because Memphis is coming from a very hot, hot, hot state, traveling all the way to Salt Lake. And if it's going to be snowing, then uh, to me it's weather permit, of course. If it's not snowing, I think I'll, ha- I'll have to go with Memphis because they're finding the pieces, the right pieces right now. But if it is going to snow, I am going to have to go with Salt Lake because they have home field advantage and they also have the weather on their favor. So right. to me, it it depends on on how the weather and, and plays out. Salt Lake really needs the rebound game at home, considering what happened they do. this they past do. week. They need the rebound win. They do. Yeah. All right. Um, so that's what that's what the AAF looks like for week six. Uh, so Junior, I really appreciate you coming in every week. Uh, our fans. Our feedback from fans is you're awesome, so we're awesome. So Thank you can you, follow man. Junior at AAF Extended, right, Junior? And what's your other handle? Yes, AAF Extended. Uh, just AAF Extended on Twitter and AAF Extended on YouTube to catch up with the games, which I've been having computer problems, so everyone, I haven't uploaded games because I have computer problems. So that's what's going on. I haven't been able to upload any of the week four or week five. She'll so as soon as uh, that gets fixed, uh, you guys can go to uh, YouTube at AF Extended. Check out the uh, past two weeks of games there. So week yes. six pretty interesting here. A must win for uh, a rebound win for the Stallions, or a must win for the for the Memphis. You got Arizona really has to you know really showcase the Apollos. We highly doubt that's going to happen. San Antonio and Atlanta kind of a shuffle and a mix. We'll see which one is wants to you know stand out. And, of course, San Diego has been playing literally a uh, really good ball. Birmingham, as to uh, our point here earlier, the run game 
and the quarterback play there are two issues that uh, the iron has to fix in order for them to even maybe compete with the fleet. So uh, at this point, week six is going to look pretty interesting. Yes, it's, it's, it's looking it's looking like a like a good one again. I'm most All interested right, so in the Brigham here. We'll see you here. We'll see you here next week uh, as we talk week six recap, and then we will go into week seven. As uh, week seven is going to be a really nice mixture of almost uh, the first couple of weeks at the beginning of the season, where you have Stallions against San Antonio, you got Orlando at Atlanta. Everybody pretty much playing each other on, on each coast, so that's going to be nice to see week seven. So um, we'll see you here next week. I really appreciate you making the time, and uh, like I said, all our fans are uh, really appreciative and then. Awesome job that you're doing with us with the week to talk to uh, Alliance of American Football. Well, thank you guys for having me once again. And I'll be talking to you guys next Tuesday again. Troy, nice meeting you, man. And I'll be back next Tuesday. And and hopefully, you know, they mix it up this, this week. I hope my predictions uh, hold, hold some water with the legends. I really want to see them win. I think they have what it takes to win now. And I think they'll get the upset. Awesome. All right. Thanks. Thanks for having me and be talking to you next Tuesday. All right, Junior. Thank you. Have a good week. Enjoy it. All right. You too. Bye-bye. All right, Troy, there you go. Uh, Junior Pardo, uh, AAF extended on Twitter, uh, pretty knowledgeable, very passionate uh, fan of the AAF. So, uh, you know, we brought him in. I kind of, kind of pulled him in (laughs) week to week so we can talk about it and kind of dissect and recap everything. So uh, kind of a good resource for us to talk AAF. Yeah, absolutely, man. has a wealth of knowledge about the league and about the players in there. So it's definitely good to have him on there to get his take on, you know, what's going on in the AAF. And it's starting to really, um, you know, it's starting to ramp up now. Um, You know, and you're starting to uh, see teams either get it together or, or stay where they've been or just absolutely ramp it up. And I think the team that we know is ramping up is Orlando. And it's good to see, you know, a team that kind of take it by the reins. And they got great leadership. I mean, Spurrier, national championship experience um, in college football, NFL experience. And that offense he has, I mean, it still uh, does what it does. It puts up numbers it puts, it, and it moves the ball up and down the field. And to have leadership on the defensive side, I mean, it, it seems like it's really coming together for them. So, you know, if, you know, barring any kind of, uh, you know, major injuries and things like that, it looks like that they're in the class of that league. Uh, Troy, I'm excited for March versus Spurrier in the AAF Bowl. just seems like it's going to go that route. Just kind of have that yeah, feeling. Man. You know, you got two offensive gurus, and, and really offenses will sell tickets, and those guys are, you know, some of the best to, to, to ever do it. And, um, you know, it'd be great to see the schemes that they can come up with to, you know, try to fool the, the, their opposite sides of their defenses uh, to see what they can do against those guys. But, you know, they've been doing it all year, and, you know, I'd expect nothing less if those are the teams that make it to the championship game. All right. So uh, if you guys want to go to Zazzle.com forward slash Gridiron Beauties, uh, we have big March sales going on there. Uh, our brand new uh, athletes for this year, Sasha Cruz of the Mile High Blades. She's going to be playing for the Austin Acoustic as well. You got uh, Smooth Lori Jones, Mile High Blaze, uh, looking potentially to be the quarterback for the Blaze as well. So, And then we have Kelsey Cristiano uh, of the LFL Dream in Denver. 
Uh, so check it out. Kelsey's out there on our No Joke Football brand page on Facebook, as well as on our uh, No Joke Football Instagram. So, um, Troy, a uh, lot of stuff go- going on in the women's game. Baffa Woman uh, Championships, the two championships last week, it was the Birmingham Lions winning their sixth championship. And then this past weekend, the Wembley Stallions winning the Division Two Sapphire Series championship. So in the UK, two champions crowned so far. Yeah, Wembley managed to go undefeated, winning the Sapphire Division, and um, you know, so they, you know, they they get the bragging rights, and you know, they they, they were pretty impressive all year, and just beating teams by the you know the point spread that they beat them by, man, that's 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 hell of impressive, man. I mean. The, the the average was what thirty three to two something like that. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's, that's insane. Well, I mean, they beat they, Teesside twenty two to zero in the final, and then Birmingham beat uh, London Warriors twenty six to twelve. So it's pretty pretty good week uh, in terms of the uh, good ending to the Sapphire series. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, that's just you know that's dominance right there. So you know, may, and and some of the teams that they played against, you know, they're going to have to catch those guys because it doesn't look like they're going to let go of the, of the reins anytime soon. So, you know, they're, everyone in those, in those divisions are going to be looking up at those teams. And so, it, you know, they, they got to get together next year. And I just really want to see how, you know, teams adjust. I, I'm really um, just – I really like to see how teams adjust to – how other teams in the leagues are. Because, you know, you hear all the time when you hear in other leagues when they say it's a copycat league. Well, look at the formula, you know, um, that they have out there. You want to see if teams can keep up with it, especially like the Wembley Stallions. Yeah, and it's a, it's a gr- it was a great weekend of football. Also, uh, week five in FFL, NFA Feminine. So week five on 9 and 7 on 7 you can catch the highlights there, uh, week five highlights at the uh, hub at facebook.com forward slash gridiron beauties. Um, you get the highlights there from week five of FEFA in Spain, also a very competitive league. Um, we got Buffaloes um, as well as the, um, the rest of the squad, the rookies, uh, pretty competitive. And you can check it out there as well. You go to the hub uh, every week, you can pretty much get it. We also have the Cancun exclusive coverage. Uh, Cancun exclusive coverage of the USA 48 to 12 victory over Mexico, as uh, Luis had uh, alluded to earlier, where she was at the event as well. And so we have some coverage there with some videos and still photos, um, and some of the excitement that we shared from Guerrera's uh, Jaguar fe- football feminine of the Maya Bowl. So Troy, that was a huge event, as uh, Luis had alluded. A huge international field, a lot of all stars from the U.S. and then obviously the young squad from Mexico. So it was a pretty awesome weekend. Yeah, great weekend. I mean, you know, especially the part about getting the sun, man. Look, that's what I need. I need some sun. I'm so sick of this cold weather, man. So I'm, yeah, I'm seriously. glad that it's down there uh, in, in Cancun. So, I mean, that that's just an awesome feat that they had. And the, also the news at Nordic Girls Camp in American Football uh, over, uh, over in Sweden, uh, they invited Laura Brown, the owner of the Minnesota Vixen, to Malbo to participate in the Nordic girls camp, uh, part coaching players from the Nordic region. So she was there also um, along with other coaches. So she's a big time out there with uh, the Sweden uh, Nordic girls out there in Sweden. So it was a really good event there. Utah, Utah girls football league 
uh, registration is now going on May March 16th. Uh, you get the details on our Facebook page, or you can go directly to the Utah Girls Tackle Football.com, and so you can register to play. And your daughter, if you're out there, if you're listening to us, so you can register in Utah at the Utah Girls Tackle Football.com there as well. We have preview of um, recap of week five, also week four of AAF, as we just talked to uh, Junior Pardo here. There was a um, a big time movement, Troy, in the women's game. The U.S. women's uh, soccer team is basically uh, filing a gender discrimination uh, in terms of pay equality, a big-time article from the New York Times right there. Uh, a lot of people are, you know, you have two options here. People going with, uh, you know, does the business sustain the salary that they should earn uh, or do they get enough sponsorship for this, you know, to be equal with the men? Um, so there's a lot of conversation on there. There's a couple people who already commented on it. Um, I don't know what your feelings are at this point. Are you still there, Troy? Yeah, I'm not really familiar too much with the women's soccer game, but that's a great conversation to have as far as, you know, do they garner ticket sales? I guess that's really the the big question is if they garner the same amount of ticket sales that the men do, then, yeah, absolutely. Why not have them right. pay, you know, be paid? And, and that, that would make sense. Um, but I guess that, you know, when it comes down to it, it's about dollars and cents. So, I, you know, not too familiar with it, but I'm going to definitely have my eyes, my eyes and ears on this one. It's the same same theory, uh, Troy, that, you you know, players have in the WNBA versus the, the you know, what, $15.6 million and, you got the highest player in the NBA only making probably what, uh, maybe a hundred, not even close to a hundred thousand. So it's a big disparity, but technically if there is no sponsorship for the money to come in and on the business side of things, then obviously that's, you can't equate it. You know what I mean? Yeah. I mean, that's, I mean, that's what it comes down to is, is that it's a business. If you don't have the sponsors and you don't have the same demands for ticket sales, I mean, the thing is, is, at the Staples Center when LeBron comes there, I mean, also the, the luxury boxes are sold out. And I'm not sure if that happens uh, or how often it happens. I mean, it just really comes down to, to the, to, you know, the dollars and cents. For it. And it's it's a good discussion to have. But, you know, when you put a closer spotlight on it, it's one of those things that come up and you say, you know, it can't be, is it, is it going to be apples to apples if, you know, the business side of it isn't apples, apples to apples? And so, um, you know, and that's a great conversation to have about it, though. Yeah. Um, Manitoba Girls Football Association in Canada, uh, congratulations to the Sunrise Coyotes. They are also taking online registrations. They're opening. They're open already in Manitoba to sign up for the Sunrise Coyotes. Go to sunrisecoyotes.com to register. So pretty cool uh, season as the regular women's game, you know, the uh, adult uh, women's uh, leagues kick off in you know in the summer we also uh, have the uh, girls tackle leagues also in the summer as well Troy so it's pretty exciting yeah exciting stuff on the horizon so you know when you hear about the, like you hear about the tryouts and hearing about the new kids coming on and, and, and people getting involved so definitely check that out if you're, if you're interested in it. all right so Troy uh in Legends Football League Acoustic, announced their roster this week. Uh, it is literally loaded, the roster. I think I sent it to you. 
pretty loaded roster. Uh, got some returning vets. Shea Winfrey's no longer the quarterback. You got Michelle Angel in Austin now. You got Sasha Cruz. Uh, a lot of playmakers, you know, uh, Misty Gonzalez, uh, Nicole Peterson. Uh, there's just a lot of transplants from Seattle and, and Denver. And and so uh, Austin looks like the West favorite right now if you had to compare everything besides Seattle, who gets, obviously, you know, gets a snore and Matheny and company up there. So uh, L.A., we have no idea what it's going to look like yet at this point based on the roster, but it looks like the acoustics uh, kind of this is gonna, might be their year. Well, I mean, the, the interesting thing was the Michelle Angel move. And, you know, with us covering the LFL, I thought we saw Tasha Winfrey improve every year. I thought last year was her better year. Uh, but when you get a chance to get a Hall of Famer in there, you gotta, you know, you gotta take that chance. And you know, with Tashay being a backup, and then also she's going to be getting some uh, run at wide receiver. You do at least have a lot of depth at the quarterback position and now the wide receiver position because Tashay is a hell of an athlete. I agree. That, that team is loaded. They got some, you know, they got some size over there. The Dowdy twins are coming back. I mean, you you really got a lot of size on that on that team, and they. You know that physical strength that they have. You want to see how they will equip themselves on the field. I want to see if they can actually put it together this year and make a run and at least make it to the championship game in the West. So that's going to be a great thing to watch for us with the acoustics. So definitely keeping eyes on them. Big team right there. So we want to see how they they figure out with these other quicker teams also. Now uh, Troy uh, Legends. We have no idea what uh, Chicago looks like. We knew, we do know Atlanta picked up some pieces, and that's uh, Michelle, uh, Michelle uh, Marshall, as well as Lelani Lopez um, and uh, Megan Martinez as well, adding to Dakota Hughes' repertoire. And so you have uh, Ziegler coming back, uh, Wodowski coming back. So Atlanta literally looks like the, like Austin in a way where it's adding tools and, and benefits. And then uh, Omaha – takes a couple of the acoustics, the center, and then you also take, uh, you know, Anna Garza evolving as a QB for uh, the heart, adding Jacqueline Good back to defense. We could see uh, a brand-new Omaha heart as, as well here. And Nashville, we have no idea yet because the roster hasn't been announced yet, but it looks like the uh, Omaha and Atlanta looks like they've kind of put pieces together. Yeah, but, you know, the, the, the story of, of- – you know, of Atlanta, Dakota Hughes coming back. I mean, you know, the thought was that she was going to retire. She had announced she was going to retire. She's coming back, you know, for this year. And I just think the reason why she's doing that is because she sees what kind of team that they're going to have. And this would be a chance for her to win a championship. Uh, you know, they went pretty far last year. And, you know, uh, and we thought, you know, it, it's, it's always a thing where they just can't finish games. And you want to see them be able to do that. That's really been the narrative the entire time we've been covering them is that one account that cannot finish games. And so they're going to have to find a way to get that done. And, and you know what? A lot of that is going to be on her shoulders. She's the leader. She's, you know, a, a Hall of Famer. At, at some point, she's, she is the, the, the straw that stirs the drink. So that team goes as far as she goes. But you're right. They have a bigger roster, have a loaded roster. But, you know, at the end of the day, it's going to come down to whether that quarterback is going to be able to make plays on the field. All right. L.A.'s revamped. Nashville's revamped with everything that's changed, right? So we have that. 
but we do have staples on the other side. So uh, Omaha, not much of a chance unless Agarza really stands out, right, at this point in terms of QB play and give them an opportunity because they've always had good defense in Omaha. just seems like offensively they've always been, you know, it's kind of like a down thing for them. So if they can elevate their offense, I think they're, they're going to be competitive. We have no idea what the bliss will bring at this point this year because until the roster shows up and see we can analyze that. And in Los Angeles, brand-new coaching staff, brand-new everything. We don't know what that's going to happen. Uh, Gaxiola coming back. So Legends is kind of interesting for this upcoming season. Yeah, a lot of new storylines coming up. You know, but again, uh, just like you said earlier, that when that roster comes out, that's going to help us get a better idea of, of, of the expectations that's coming. We really want to see what goes on in the post-2E era out in uh, L.A. Um, I really thought that um, he should have come back. Uh, maybe it just didn't work out with these guys. Um, I really wish they could have worked it out, but you know, at the end of the day, you gotta you gotta do what you gotta do. Um, but with Axiola, you know, kind of taking over the helm over there, I think they're in good hands. So uh, definitely can't wait to see what LA is rocking out there. All right, uh, so guys, um, we are partnering with Sports Fan Network live coverage of XXL XXL, so uh, football extremo. Uh, in, in Mexico, and we're going to be live coverage week to week, uh, so you can catch it there at the hub at facebook.com forward slash Gridiron Beauties. That's Sports Fan Network. We're teaming up with them, as well as uh, the LFB Cancun. Um, it's uh, where, to, uh, where to Go Playa del Carmen. Uh, we get recaps as well from Deportes Quintana Roo. Um, those are our network partners down there. You get live coverage and recaps there as well, week three and week four. Check it out on the hub. You also have key articles. There's an article um, by Forbes, why women's um, teams are coached by men. Um, so that's probably going to evolve and change over time at this point, given some of the things that are happening with the NFL uh, uh, Women's Forum. And then Italy, uh, first selection meeting and first uh, actual scrimmage for the team happened this past weekend to field a Italian national team for the Euro IFAB World Championships. They're going to come up coming up in the summer of 2019, down fall about August. So they're trying to really work that in as well. Um, you get to catch out the Maha Blaze video as the WFA uh, begins to kick off in about a couple weeks here, and we start getting ready for the season. Texas Elite uh, Women's Training video is on there as well as they get ready for their WNFC debut and uh, inaugural season as well. And then uh, TV Azteca Jalisco spotlighted uh, Fanny launches as well. And then Tony Harris, uh, spotlighted by Glamour and Huffington Post. And then Troy, uh, a lot of the, a lot of the conversation, uh, with Tony Harris was over with, uh, you know, on ESPN and all that was, you know, is she going to be able to, you know, really, if she gets to the NFL level, is she not going to get steamrolled because based on highlight film and everything else, not as not an impressive highlight reel enough to say, she's ready for an NFL style environment. Well, you know, I think, you know, before, you know, and I love what Tony Harris is doing, but I think, you know, before that, I think she should, you know, get a chance to, um, you know, go to East LA college and see how she fares there first. And I love that she has that aspiration. And I, I think it's great that she also has a scholarship uh, to East LA College, um, this is just going to be great 
But you know, I would I want to see her play at the college level first. I was definitely impressed in watching her her high school tape. She can play. She can play defensive back. I know people have their criticisms, and you want to judge her as a football player, not not just as as, as a young lady. But man, she can she can play football. So I was definitely impressed with, with her skill set out there. And the thing is, with with college, and you see it all the time with high school players who are not highly recruited, and after a while they develop into a different type of player. So we'll see. Like, you know, we'll see how she physically develops. And, you know, she's also going to get into, a, you know, uh, possibly a better speed program when she gets into training for college. So we'll see how, how it shakes out. But, you know, I want to see how she plays at the college level first. Um, you know, and, and see how she plays defensive back there. All right. Um, the other spotlight was done by YouTube.com, and it was done by uh, El Rojo Vivo, um, and that's part of Telemundo. And they did a spotlight on uh, Racha Bethencourt, which we interviewed a, a couple weeks ago, former Orlando Anarchy uh, champion, D2 champion, and current Orlando Phantoms football athlete. So she got her uh, kind of a spotlight on International Women's Day, and Lo and behold, uh, Troy, I did not know that she can speak fluent Spanish, but she was very thorough. That's something I have to learn, man. I want to learn Spanish. You know, I've been trying to chop away at it little by little, man, but that's, that's a great thing to do, man. I, I, I need to learn it myself. <laughs> that's, that's, that's on my bucket list myself, man. Yeah. Okay, Troy, Espanol numero uno para ti. That's your bucket list, right? Absolutely. All right. Um, so she was featured on there. So you can go to the hub at facebook.com and you can catch the interview there via YouTube, uh, a part of El Rojo Vivo as well. Nordic camp highlights as well from the Nordic camps in American football page. We share that as well. Uh, and then you also uh, have highlights from the Baffa women by the Wembley, uh, Wembley Stallions women's team, which added some stuff there as well. And we shared that with us and the, um, Italian um, article that was done by Achille Ferrara uh, in Italy, spotlighting the uh, Italian women's uh, team that is trying to compete at the 2019 Euro Championships in August. We had uh, fun fun times this weekend. We had the rankings come out as well, uh, the preseason rankings for the WFRC and the WNFC there, and we talked about it, uh, the Utah on top, of number two, Texas Elite. And we also had an article, which kind of interesting, Troy, on the article that came out, can a true arena women's league survive financially without the LFL-style brand play? So that was the question that I posed on there. What's your take? Do you think a full-kit NFL indoor arena-style women's league can be financially, you know, can it survive? Because you know a lot of the men's leagues come and go. Yeah, I do. Yeah, I mean, um, I, I, you've seen some of the success that you've seen recently, and then not to mention when you have um, – you, you see that the game is starting to become even more popular year by year. I think, yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, but, again, it depends on who's behind the scenes. You got, you know, somebody out there like OJ that's chopping, you know, behind the scenes and getting sponsors and, and lining people up and making business deals and, and sitting down with people and having conversations. I think you start moving in that direction. So, yeah, absolutely. I think that can happen. All right. So, uh, there you go. Uh, The the article was a part of arenafootballtalk.com. 
and it was a female indoor football of past and maybe the future. So it's a cool article there, and uh, you can read it up. Then we also have uh, different articles on there, as well as the IWFA championship uh, rematch uh, in the Premier Championship that's coming up on March 16th. Our very own uh, Nordjoke football athlete, Michelle Marshall, will be playing for the Austin Ravens as they take on the San Antonio Sightwinders. So make sure you don't miss it, if, especially if you're over in Austin. It's going to be at the Ice and Golf Center Northwood in San Antonio. Uh, at the other, Yeah, San Antonio, 17530 Henderson Pass in San Antonio. So uh, that'll be the event there on the 16th. The other event coming up is the 23rd International Friendly, the champion of uh, the uh, WWCFL, um, you know, multi-time champion Saskatoon Valkyries will be venturing to Vegas to take on the WFA Sin City Trojans, and that will be at Desert Pine High School, and that'll be March 23rd coming up. And then also March 23rd, a WNFC scrimmage, LA Bobcats versus the Utah Falcons, and that's going to happen on the 23rd. And then on March 30th, coming up, international friendly, BAFA women, six-time champion Lions will be taking on our Orlando Jets. So that's going to be pretty cool, uh, you know, events coming up in the next uh, week or two. And don't forget, Tercer Cuarto, live coverage of the Maya Bowl. The uh, live coverage, you can catch it there on video. You can catch Louise Bean and Chandis Hunter uh, scoring those touchdowns, as she had talked about before. So live video there, you can check it out as well, 48 to 12 was the event on the Cancun Bowl. You also got Burmy doing the recap for us as well, so we shared that as well, so it was pretty cool. Um, so thank you to Tercer Cuarto for doing that, and you can catch the live stream, full live stream, uh, also uh, on livestream.com, 2019 AFE Women's Maya Cancun uh, Bowl there. Um, the big news was CFL hired former two-time football candidate silver medalist Lawrence uh, Pondriant as the CFL's first full-time football ops hire. Um, so uh, Palm Brian is taking her game from the field to the CFL. So there's great news for the women's game there, especially for a silver medalist and champion that she is. And so she gets the opportunity there as well. And then uh, we've got some uh, awesome stuff happening week to week. So don't miss it. Go to the hub at facebook.com forward slash gridiron beauties. Uh, we didn't touch up on XSFL Texas. But we'll go ahead and upload that and get that up and, uh, and get you the rankings for the week and uh, touch up on the uh, week that it was. And so pretty exciting times happening in the game. There is a cool video. You got to go watch it. Balance for Better, USA Football. It was a part of the uh, International Women's Day 2019, and it was part of USA Football. We are Trailblazers rewriting the rules. Uh, pretty cool video there. So check it out. It's got about 12,000 views, uh, courtesy of USA Football as well. So. Um, so pretty awesome stuff happening, Troy, especially this past week, uh, given International Women's uh, Women's Day. Yeah, every day is, um, you know, is new and um, different and bigger information that comes out about the lady game. And, you know, we just get a chance to report it. So I, I'm still amazed at, at how much progress has been made um, in getting the word out about the game and, and seeing a lot of these ladies play football all over the world. Now you're seeing, you know, ladies get uh, positions and, and front offices and, and the corporate side of it, you know. So the game is spreading, and so everything is, is really going in the right direction, trending in the right direction for the women's game, and we're definitely glad, glad to be a part of it. 
Uh, also, Sunday Night Football on NBC uh, on March 8th tweeted out, on International Women's Day, we introduced to you the WFA and their 65 teams, which is kind of cool for them to do that. Um, put up a nice flyer out there, kind of showcasing eight-week season, April 6th, 11-11 full contact, three division, 65, defending champs, Sharks, Anarchy, and Renegade. So that's that was pretty cool of them to do that and kind of uh, you know spotlighting the women's game there as well. Um, the AAF was spotlighted during the week, so we got articles going on there. So check it out at the hub at facebook.com forward slash gridiron beauties. Uh, if you want to get the, the gear, everybody's got the gear. I don't know if you don't have the gear, you better go get the gear. Zazzle.com forward slash gridiron beauties up to 20% off. You can uh, get hoodies, tees, leggings, pretty much anything else at zazzle.com forward slash gridiron beauties. Check it out. Get the favorite shirt. It's going to be the no joke football shirt. Or you get the No Joke Football hoodie, just like uh, Kelsey Cristiano is sporting on our Instagram. So 6,700 strong, overall 20 fanatics uh, in love and for the passion and joy that is women's American football. So, And we are happy to bring it every week to you on our podcast here. Um, so today, uh, Troy, six years, our podcast, um, overall 10 years in terms of exposure, but six years of the podcast and that's our anniversary today so it's pretty cool hey man that's, that's awesome man that's wow that's gone that's gone really really fast. i don't know how many years you've been with me now what four years three years four yeah it's been four so it was like wow this is this is crazy man it's like, time five man i didn't even realize it's been that long yeah it's six years i started looking at it today got and i'm like that's ah, six years in so thank you to block talk radio I uh, really appreciate uh, Apple Podcasts and obviously all our other uh, RSS feeds that we are uh, located at. And I really appreciate the feedback. Uh, if you guys are, you know, like what we do, what we're doing, you can always uh, tweet us on face, uh, uh, Facebook. I mean, tweet us on Facebook. You can always tweet us on Twitter at Gridiron Beauty. And then you can always go to Facebook at Gridiron Beauties and under the uh, podcast post. So we're going to try to get Sylvie um, Ibish back um hopefully in the next couple of weeks as uh, we reschedule her for that. Really appreciate uh, Junior Pardo coming in, giving us some insights on the AAF. And uh, Troy and Luis, always fun to have you guys here. So, Troy, uh, more free agency coming up in this week. Uh, we got, you know, Antonio Brown in, in Oakland. You got, o, you know, Odell in Cleveland. So we'll, we'll see what happens this week uh, in terms of our teams, you know, between my Rams and your Redskins to see who, who gets picked up or how they're going to uh, adjust the rosters. Yeah, definitely keep my eyes on it, man. It's been exciting news, and, and the great thing about the NFL is everyone right now feels like they can go to the Super Bowl. Well, maybe but both teams. They feel like they have a shot at least the playoffs. And, you know, there's going to be more to come over the next few days, few weeks, with with free agency and also for the draft and mini camps and things like that. So we'll keep you all posted with all the information that comes through, you all all right, so uh, if you guys want to order uh, any stuff from our shop internationally, make sure you go to Zazzle.com under the Worldwide tab, look for your country code, and also use the special codes there. You can save up to 20% off. So Zazzle.com forward slash Gridiron Beauties. You guys have been listening to the best podcast covering women's American football and NFL News Weekly and now AAF Weekly with uh, Junior Pardo, which is awesome for us. And so we'll, we'll touch base next week as uh, – We talk more Women's American Football plus AAF and NFL News. So, Troy, thank you again. And uh, for Louise Bean and the absent uh, Mackenzie Brooks and Holly Custis, uh, Oscar Lopez says we'll be here next week. 
on the Gridiron Blitz. Have a great night, everybody.